You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome to a post-Super Bowl edition of our weekly show. He's Mr. Paul Hudrick. I'm Jazz Kang. Lots to discuss in Sixerland. Also, Paul, we had some stuff come out this morning uh, saying that James Harden, no surprise here, not going to be back in the lineup till at least after the All-Star break, given his hamstring issues. Um, do you think, how do you think this is going to play out with the hamstring? Because we saw it become an issue in the playoffs last year, too, for Brooklyn. Cost the Nets dearly, really, because, I mean, that that seven-game series they lost to, to the Bucks could have went either way. And all, you, you know, missing a Harden and, and having a not fully healthy Harden. Uh, are you concerned at all about the hamstring that this could be an issue going forward the rest of the season, given the history that's happened with Harden and, and that particular area? Slightly, uh, slightly concerned. I mean, if I had to put it like one to 10, like maybe, I don't know, like a, like a three or a four, like it's not high uh, okay. for sure. Um, it is the, diff- it is the other hamstring. Um, I do know that than what was lingering during the playoffs. I mean, I, that might be like a compensation thing who knows. Um, but the guy's 32. He's not 42. You know, I mean, um, and he's, not, see, he's not, he's not the same physical shape as us. So, I mean, chances are he's going to be okay. Yeah, with yeah. <laughs> very, very true. Um, and you see guys around the league and like how some of these older guys, I mean, granted, like a guy like LeBron's a, like a medical Marvel, but even like a Chris Paul, like guys are playing Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler. I mean, these guys are playing at high levels into their thirties. Um, so maybe he's not James Harden MVP. Um, and that hamstring is, is a bit of a concern in that regard, but like, I, I still think he's, he's going to be great whenever he does play. And I think like, to me, if you're the Sixers, I think this is, this is the smartest route. Like why risk it? You know, like the all-star break is, is right here. Just let him sit. Cause we know, ham- I mean, hamstrings, that, that stuff lingers. It, it can just linger and linger and linger. And the only way to, to help it is rest. So why risk it? It just doesn't seem worth it to me at all. So to me, this is like, I don't want to say a no-brainer from the Sixers, but like pretty damn close to a no-brainer to just let him sit these next two games, give him that extra time from the All-Star break. And at that point, we're talking about like what? Like, I mean, it's like three weeks off. I mean, that that's great. I think, I think he was really trying to push himself in Brooklyn, really. And it's funny because there's just there's all these narratives about Harden and I think some of it's fair and I think I think a lot of it's not really super fair um I know you know David Early for us he also covers the Nets for for clutch points and this this weird narrative that Harden like doesn't does is like faking it or like didn't want to play I think I think is absurd because I know Windhorse kept pointing out and I don't want to take listen Brian Windhorse was all over this so I don't want to take anything away from him but to kind of intimate that James Harden only scored four points against the Sacramento Kings, like on purpose or because he didn't care about that game, I think is ridiculous. I think he's hurt. I think he was hurt. And I think he's trying, he was trying to push through it because he knows where the nets are. He knew the nets were losing a bunch of games. He knew, he knew Katie was hurt. He knows Kyrie was a part-time player. He needed to be out there. So I don't think it's that 
he was like tanking it. I think it's that he had a legitimate injury and he was trying to play through it because he knew that the Nets needed him to play through it. So um, I think now, now that he's here and is in a situation where you look at the Sixers team who just beat a really good Cleveland Cavaliers team without him. um, I think the smart thing to do is yeah, let him rest. They play, they play, listen, and they have two tough games. There's no way around it. The Celtics have been on fire. They've won eight in a row. They played really, really well. Then you got the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champs, who are, you know, they've been a little up and down this year, but they're still really, really good. Um, you have them on the road to close, the, or I, it's at home, right? I, or no, it's on the road. It's on the road. On the road yeah. So yeah. that's going to be a tough one to close it out before the All-Star break. So if you split those two games without Harden, I think that's a win. Um, if you lose both, that hurts, but it's not, doesn't kill you. Like you're still right in the thick of this thing. They're two and a half out right now. Um, and then you have Harden at theoretically after the All-Star break, a sprint to the finish. Um, so like to me, Jazz, actually, like the bigger concern is not the injury itself. Like, I think Harden's gonna be okay, and I think this is the right route. My biggest concern is are they gonna have enough time for him and Embiid and then even like Maxi and Tobias and you know and, and Matisse and Dan, like all of them to figure out how this works for Doc Rivers to figure out how he wants to do it rotation-wise and minutes-wise. So, like, that's my bigger concern. But as far as like, is Harden gonna be okay? Is he gonna be healthy? I I I, I feel pretty good about it. Like, I think he's going to be good. And I think, like I said, I think the Sixers are handling this the, the absolute right way. Well, Paul, given the magnitude of the deal, and we know how much of an impact this had on the franchise, not even for the short term, for the long run, you're giving up a three-time All-Star who's a former number one overall pick who is t- at 25 years old. This was a big move. So I think Daryl Morey, the medical staff, would have done a pretty good job and being thorough to make sure that, Hey, this isn't going to be something that cost us because, and I'm with you on this. Like they made this move to win a championship, right? They made this move to be a legitimate championship contender this year, hopefully at least two or three more, depending on how Harden's, you know, game ages, same thing goes with Embiid as he gets older, given his injury history. So I'm looking at this, that they're doing the right thing, which is okay. Let's be patient. You're going to miss a couple of games, you know, big deal. But when you're looking at it in the standings, given how close everything is in the Eastern Conference, only five games separating the Raptors who are in the playing spot, the first playing spot at number seven, and the Heat who are at the top of the conference. And even if you, like you mentioned, the Celtics now after their torrid run that they've been on, they're only four and a half out, two and two behind the Sixers. So when you're looking at this, like how important is it, do you think, for the Sixers to maybe even have home court? Like, do you think that it's it's worth it to keep Harden sidelined? And, and let's be real, and the Sixers are still winning at an incredible clip. You know what I mean? They're what 18 and 18 and six since Christmas. Um, obviously having Embiid playing that level that he's at. So is it like more important? Do you think for them to be like, okay, let's try and get into that number two spot, get the top spot in the conference. So we know they had it last year. didn't make a difference in the playoffs, but how important is it? Do you think that they look at Harden's health in the long run, or they look at the standings and say, you know, we'd rather try and avoid that four or five matchup because we know we're going to have a hard, really hard team to play against. And then you're going up against the, the top team in the conference. If you win that in the semifinals uh, conference semifinals. So do you think that like, where's your precedent right now in terms of how the Sixers should approach this both for the short and long run? Health's got to be the priority uh, to me for not only just Harden, but for Embiid as well. I mean, let's, you know, Joel Embiid has played a ton of games um, this season uh, and he's played a lot in a row. He's played in back to backs this year. You know, only one planned rest recently. I mean, he's and it's so funny because like I still see people like kill them for that one planned rest. And it's like everyone's got to grow up like it's 2022. These guys all take nights off. It's around the league. Like, let's everyone 
take a step back and like let's let's like end that stupid narrative of oh this guy plays 82 games and he's this isn't hockey like let's go like relax it's the nba the regular season really to a large extent kind of doesn't matter i hate to say that as someone who loves the sport and who watches every single game but to an extent it doesn't it, it really doesn't matter and i think that kind of pretends to the next point which is um seating's important it's not the most important though like yeah. like I, you know, you'd rather the Sixers be the four seed with a with a one hundred percent Harden and Embiid than be the one seed with Embiid and Harden kind of limping into this thing, right? I mean, that that's I think that's pretty clear. Um, I think if they fall into the top, I think top three is really the goal. I think you want to get into the top three so that you're playing the sixth seed, because as you met and like, but I think this too though, Jazz. When I when you you, you just pointed out the Eastern Conference, kind of how jam packed it is. Yeah. Um, when you look at teams that are kind of at the bottom. You know, the Hornets are still a little bit young, um, but you look at Boston, who's been on fire, who is, looks like maybe the best defensive team in the NBA right now. They add Derek White, who I happen to like an awful lot. I think he's a really good player. I saw some Celtics fans not liking that deal, and I think they're crazy. Um, Derek White's a hell of a player, and I think he slots in very nicely to what they do. Um, but Boston's going to be a tough out late. Um, look at what Toronto's done since they've been healthy. What the, How... Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam have played um, and, and they got better at the deadline a little bit too. Um, all these teams, I mean, Brooklyn right now is what seventh. I mean, <laughs> eighth, eighth, yeah. Eighth. So, I mean, this, this Eastern, like there's not an easy series, right? Even if you're the one seed, it, it's not going to be an easy series. If you got to play Toronto as the eighth seed, whoever you are, like if it's Miami, Toronto, one and eight, that's going to be a good series. Like that's not just like your garden variety, Ah, yeah, it's going to be for like like Wizard Sixers last year. Like, it's not going to be like that. That is yeah. going to be a knockout, dragout series for the Miami Heat as the one seed. So, um, that's the other reason why I'm not. I, I don't think you put too much stock into that because I think no matter what, uh, no matter wh where you are in the Eastern Conference, you're getting a tough team. Um, so so like, I I'd say three seed is where you'd want. Like, you want to be in the top three, I would say. But again, the health to me, takes over seeding for so many reasons, um, primarily just because you want those two big guns at playing at their peak, playing at their healthiest whenever the playoffs start. Well, when you're looking at this from the perspective of the Sixers, given what we've seen with James Harden in his last couple of stops, right? We see saw him pout his way out of Houston, didn't want to be there anymore, came awfully close to beating the Warriors. You know, the stacked Warriors teams uh, were up double digits game six and seven. I still look back at that sometimes and I'm like, how the hell did they lose that series? But they um, missed a lot of threes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what did they, it was like 27 straight threes or something like that, whatever it was yeah. ridiculous. But like looking at how he kind of forced his way out of there, goes to Brooklyn, spends, you know, basically one season there. If you look at when the trade happened and, and, and where we're at now, uh, couldn't be really be a part of that playoff run last season. But when you're looking at this, does anything concern you? Like when you're looking at his fit with the Sixers in terms of, okay, Let's say him and Embiid don't really hit it off. Him and Embiid don't really mesh on the court, and, and it's it's an awkward, clunky fit. We've mentioned this too. As good as Joel Embiid is as a post-up player, as a high-post guy, not great in the pick-and-roll. Just and he's, a, he's athletic as hell, but just hasn't been his best-suited spot. So when you're looking at this, like, are you concerned at all from that perspective that maybe Harden isn't going to be a good fit and we could see him try and – you know, play the one year next year that he's already opted into his deal. Right, I think it's at forty-seven million for next season. Well, that's been um, actually recently refuted. So we're okay. still so that that as far as we know, and I, I think that's our. I think David Early even had that as well. That that is not confirmed. Um, okay, he has not picked up that option. But they are, from what I've spoken to people, it, it seems like they are very confident that 
they're going to work something out that he's going to be here for a, a little bit. But no, um, I, don't, I don't. I see. I don't think Maury would have made the deal without some assurance that hey, he's going to be here for yeah, they not just pretty, one, you know, half right. a season at this point, less than that. Right. So I mean, looking at it from that perspective, like I said, like, do you think there's any concern for? maybe Harden is going to pout his way out of Philly and, and put the, the Sixers in a similar spot that he put Houston in, that he put Brooklyn in now recently. I would say uh, probably, again, as, as much concern as I have about the hamstring, like I'd probably put it at like a three. Like I, I don't, I'm not, it's not nothing. Um, but I also think this is another narrative that's like a, a touch overblown. Um, when you look at that Houston situation, Maury had just left. They replaced Mike D'Antoni, uh, with 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 um with a new coach, their roster saw some upheaval. Uh, the, the Westbrook pairing was a disaster; it didn't work out. So, like, there were a lot of like it wasn't just cut and dry. Like, oh, James Harden had this perfectly good situation and he forced himself out. Like, no, that organization was kind of a shit show when he left. So, like, I don't really blame him for wanting out of that. Now, you know, I didn't necessarily love the way he went about it. Um, I don't love, you know, the, the reports that he threw a ball at a rookie and like all that stuff like that's not great. Um, but I, I don't think I could really hold him. Like, I can't really kill him for that. Now the Brooklyn situation, I think we've seen some stuff come out that makes me, I, I don't know. It's a weird situation. Like it, it's one, I get it. I get the Kyrie stuff. Like clearly him and Kyrie, there was some, there was some tension going on there. They did not get along. Kyrie's a weird guy. I mean, that's, I think we can all agree to that. He's a pretty weird dude. And I think him and Harden just kind of didn't mesh. And, you know, the vaccination stuff, obviously that didn't go over very well with Harden. I think at one point there was a quote that Harden said, I'll, I'll give him the jab myself. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Like clearly there is a huge disconnect between those two guys in that regard. Um, so, and it's just, there was a piece in the athletic just kind of outlined how they just didn't get along. Um, and then some weird, like, I don't know how else to compare it, Jess, but like some mean girl stuff with KD and Kyrie and Harden, where it seemed like he was kind of the he was kind of the third wheel to those two, which is weird to me as well. So um so all that to say, I can understand why some people would view Harden wanting out of that situation and being like, wow, why would you want out? Like you were you guys were dominant when you played together and just seemed like a really good situation. And this is, you know, you wanted out of Houston and you got your wish and here you are. But I think there was some stuff behind the scenes that shows like, well, maybe he was kind of justified to not be happy with the situation. Um, and it seems like to me, there's been some stuff to verify that. Like, I, I don't know if you read the Ramona Shelburne uh, Woj piece yeah. about like yeah. the aftermath, but like the fact that Rich Paul was kind of behind the scenes last month, almost negotiating the trade for the Sixers and the Nets, like saying like, like talking KD into it. Like, I don't know. There's just, there's just a lot of weird stuff going on behind closed doors that I, I can't kill Harden for it. Um, and I don't want to look, I, I don't think I'm looking at it through rose colored glasses to say that because yes, I have some concerns. Like you're right. Jazz. like, it's not a perfect fit. Um, when you look at what both guys do, and how they could play next to each other. And I could see some hiccups and I could see some, some kind of um, growing pains. And, and that's why they, it, it's a short period of time. They're going to have to try to figure it out. But, you know, speaking of, of Joel and, and James here, but I, I just think they're both, both of these guys are in such a better place. I think 
James Harden being reunited with Maury and Tad Brown, and you know he has a relationship with Michael Rubin that that's been highlighted a lot. I could see from a personality standpoint, him and Embiid actually getting along. Like I could see them. Like granted, you know, um, James, as we know, has that reputation. He loves the nightlife. He likes that. Like that's his deal. Like um, this is a guy who's got his jersey retired in a strip club in Houston. So like that's clearly there. But and Embiid is the opposite. Embiid likes to stay at home. He's got a family now. He's got a baby. He's got a fiance. He likes to just do his thing and play video games. And like he's kind of, like he's kind of a nerd. Like that's just the way he lives. Um, which I don't. I don't. I say that like complimentary because I live the same life. Um, but you know, I I think their personalities. I could see them. I could see him Harden and Embiid meshing better than than Embiid and, and Simmons ever did. And I could see Harden just liking this situation more than what was going on in Brooklyn. Um, what I was told, cause I, there's been, there were some whispers about this idea that if things don't work out, Mike D'Antoni is going to be on speed dial for, for Daryl Morey. Um, I've been told, and this is going back to the summer jazz. I've been told the exact opposite that they are all in on doc rivers. I know some Sixers fans are going to moan at that, but um, they're all in on doc rivers from what I've told, what I've been told as well, James Harden, wanted to come here to play for Doc Rivers. And there was also, again, some whispers that when Dan Tony was out at Houston, that Rivers was the guy that Harden wanted to replace him. Um, and so I, I feel like Harden is happy right now. Now, could that change if things go disastrously? Of course it can. Um, but as we sit here right now, I don't see that scenario playing out. Um, I think a lot of things would have to go wrong in order for that to happen. And I don't see it. I think too, and I know I'm going on and on. This is a really long answer to a simple question, Jazz. But, like, I look at when Harden first got to Brooklyn last year and everything was good when Katie was healthy and Kyrie was healthy and they were playing really well. People were talking about Harden as an MVP candidate. Like, that wasn't that long ago. That was last year uh, when it was Jokic and Embiid. And then Harden snuck his way into the conversation when, when he got to Brooklyn and was playing that kind of, you know, point guard role. And I think that's the role he's going to play here. And I think he's going to be really good at it. So um, I think the honeymoon phase is going to go exceedingly well. I think if there's going to be tension, you're looking at it. That's at least a year away. I think this season, they're going to be in good shape. I think Harden's got a lot to prove. I think he's going to be really fired up. I think it beads going to be really excited to play along with him. So my, my concern over a, a malcontent Harden, I don't have any really for the rest of this season, um, and I don't see it for the foreseeable future, but you never know what lurks down the road. See, here, here's my thing, Paul, and, and you're mentioning the situation. I, like you said, I mean, Brooklyn 13-3 and this year when they had Harden, KD, and, and Kyrie in the lineup. So, I mean, that, again, that team. Well, I think that's not this season. I think that's the entire time. Overall, overall yeah, 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 that's right, because they barely, yeah, they barely played. played. But, yeah. I mean, you look at how good you look at how good they could have been. And you mentioned the off-court stuff. We don't know them personally, so I'm not, gonna, I'm not taking shots at – Kyrie or Kevin Durant we saw Kevin Durant leave the Warriors after making the finals for you know three straight seasons uh talked about how didn't really get along with Draymond Green you know on the court off court they seem fine they seem to have obviously squashed that now but he and it I look at the Warriors Steph Curry Clay Thompson sure Draymond Green's a, a bit of an, an anomaly himself but those guys are pretty easy to get along with. You know what I mean? Like they're just easygoing dudes like you mentioned Joel Embiid hard not to get along with him I feel like you know what I mean he might push you at practice might expect a lot out of you professionally, but personally, they seem like they're pretty easygoing guys. And I think with Joel, you know, covering the Sixers this season now, 
just accessible. We'll tell you exactly what he's feeling. Doesn't really talk in riddles. Just tells you exactly what's going on. And he's and in such a good place now, too, Jazz. Like, yeah, like yeah. I, I wrote something over the weekend, you know, about his comments about Harden coming here. And like some of his like him as a leader, like he is in he's in such a good place mentally and physically speaking of Embiid. And that's why right now we're talking about him as the odds on favor for MVP uh-huh. because he is in such a good place. And this is his team. And I think James Harden is good with that. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah. James Harden yeah. is good with saying like, cool, I have an MVP here. This is his team. I'm just going to get in where I fit in and, and do my thing. And I think that's what he wanted. I think that's what he was hoping for in Brooklyn. And I think that's what he's getting here. Um, so, but again, uh, we'll see what happens down the road, but right now I feel good about it. Yeah, and I'm with you. And you mentioned, you know, the honeymoon phase, it's not going to be very long either. They only have 24 games after after this week to figure it out. And that's assuming Harden comes back after the All-Star break when they take on the Timberwolves on, on the 25th of this month. So looking at that, it's like that's not going to give you a lot of time. Even if he needs an extra added period of rest, you're looking at, what, 20 games to figure this all out. So there is going to be some pressure. And you, you talked about him a bit, Doc Rivers. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Looking at this, I think you guys, you know, covering the team for as long as you have, have wanted to pull your very nice, luscious hair that you do have. You (laughs) want to pull it out sometimes, given the fact that what's happened with his lack of adjustments, with the rotational stuff. Like, I'm going to play my five bench guys together at all times. I don't care if we're up 12 and we can extend it to 20, whatever. If we give up, you know, eight points over that stretch, I'm good with it. And it's frustrating for me watching this team. Like, I'm like, what the hell is Doc Rivers doing at points? And and so what concerns do you have about Doc? I know you, me, and uh, Jackson Frank discussed this last week after the trade initially happened on the podcast. But now that you've had a couple of days to marinate on it, we were all just like, wow, they actually did it. Wow, they got the trade. So now that you've had some time to think about it, when you look at what issues Doc might have implementing and figuring out a role for for Harden in this offense, what are some of the concerns you look at, Paul, in in terms of how coaching could fit with Harden style? You you know, we we did that Twitter spaces for SB Nation um, the day of the trade, and I made the joke that, uh, Maury has to make the roster um, doc proof. Um, <laughs> and I think we're, we're close. Uh, we're pretty close to that because um, now we're at a point where he's got us like between Maxi Harden and Embiid and Tobias, you have four guys who are above, like play Maxi and Tobias together, play Embiid and Harden together, stagger it. You can make it work. Like there is, there is an easy blueprint. Now I, I still, I can't lie. I still have reservations because I don't, because he just really enjoys playing his best players together and then making it work from there. But I think you have like, 
like when the playoffs come now, granted, I, I still think they like they're going to I think they're genuinely going to give Millsap a shot to, to play the backup five. And I give Paul Reed credit because I wasn't yeah. sure that he was ready and I wasn't sure that Doc Rivers was ready to give him time. But he has looked very good in, in two games as their backup five. I, I have to give him all the credit in the world. He's made he simplified his game short of that missed dunk. Um, he's really simplified his game and he's looked really good. So I'm curious to know how that's going to play out. I'm curious if in the buyout market, they do have an open roster spot in the buyout market. If they target another big, whoever that is, whether that's like a, a Robin Lopez type or a Tristan Thompson type, who could be a little bit bigger, a little bulkier and maybe handle some of the tougher big assignments. Not that there's that many of them, uh, especially like in the Eastern conference, like who really has, a big, I mean, the Sixers are, are the team that has it. Um, there's really no other team that you need to get a, a guy that can that can kind of handle those bigger, bulkier centers. But uh, when you look at their roster, I mean, Harden, Embiid, Maxi, Tobias, like, Garrett, they're going to play between what, like 38 and 40 minutes once the playoffs starts? Yeah. That doesn't give you a lot of other, like, and then Matisse is probably going to play 30 plus. Danny Green's going to hover around that 30-plus mark. I think Niang's probably around 20 to 25. Um, your backup five is only probably going to play like 10 minutes at most. Um, there's not a lot of room, right? There's not a lot of room for other guys. So I, I see it as it's probably, you know, it's 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 Maxi, it's Harden, it's Tobias, it's an Embiid. Like, that's your that's your top four. Um, then you have Matisse and Danny. Like, that's th- those are your solidified five, six guys. Niang is your seventh. Um, that backup center, whomever it may be, that's your eight. So there's only going to be like room for one more guy to get minutes, right? Uh, and it's not going to be a big role. So I see it more like I think there's going to be a competition between Shake Milton and Furkan Korkmaz as kind of that ninth guy. I mean, that, that's where I see it. Barring now, maybe Daryl Morey pulls it out of his hat and he gets and he, he decides to sign like a Gary Harris or something like that. I don't see that um, happening for me. Who knows? Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I, I see it as there's going to be some healthy competition for the eighth and or ninth spot between Shake Milton or Furkan Korkmaz, and so yeah, I, I mean it, it, the roster's pretty set, you know, for those first eight or so roster or eight or so rotation spots. So um, I'm curious to see how Doc plays it in the playoffs when when we do get there. Um, I, I didn't love his his playoff rotations in the Atlanta series, quite frankly. I, I thought he still leaned on those bench heavy lineups far too much maybe he felt like he had to i don't know but like he doesn't have to now like you have four players i mean however you want to rank them with 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 those four those top four guys or you can stagger that and have really effective lineups with two of those guys on the floor at all times see here's my thing paul when looking at this he can't screw this up like you said he has too many options it's very basic it's right in front of you you can run the rotations on that team and just make it easy on everybody else around them. Like, don't screw this up in terms of, like you said, don't overthink it. Don't get cute with the lineups. You have eight solid, very you know, good NBA players at your disposal. Just don't screw it up. And I think that's where people are looking at it with Doc. Uh, you mentioned some of the names in the buyout market. I would love for them to take a shot at a guy like uh, Robin Lopez. You're also looking at somebody like Tristan Thompson, who, again, if he gets bought out, can come in and give you 10, 12 hard minutes Get a couple of offensive rebounds. That'll change the flow of the game. And that happens in every single NBA playoffs where, yeah, you need your stars to win. Yeah, you're going to need Embiid and Harden to you know be averaging 25 to 30 a game in order for you to get deep into the playoffs. But they're going to need some plays from George Niang where 
hey, you know what? They're down by six. All of a sudden, he's hit back-to-back three-pointers in the third quarter, changes the flow of the game. And so I think the more options the Sixers have in doing that, I think the better off they're going to be. I want to wrap up with this, Paul, uh, kind of looking at the bigger scheme of the NBA playoffs and how things are going. How do you feel about the play-in tournament? Do you feel like this should be something that an experiment that should end after this season when we saw it implemented, I believe, for the first time last year, and then now we're you know, we're in this position where I think the East, for the first time in a long time, is deeper than the West. It used to always be the Western yeah. Conference was that fight for the eight seed was a team that was five, six, seven games over 500, but the teams in the East, some teams were getting in at six, seven games below that. But now you're looking at it, Atlanta holding that 10 spot, only half a game up on the Wizards at 26 and 30, but you go to the Western Conference, the Lakers 26 and 31 and at nine and Portland 23 and 34. Sure. It might be fun to watch Dame Lillard go off for 50 if he comes back. And you know what I mean is able to do something for Portland then, but what is the, like, how do you feel about the playing tournament? Cause to me, if you're 11 games below 500, you have no business being in the playoffs. Sure. I mean, as a consumer, um, I love it because it's just more basketball and it's more like competitive basketball. And the playing games were awesome last year. They were fun. Well, not all of them, but um, like the Lakers, Lakers uh, Warriors. Warriors yeah. yeah, it was a blast to watch. Like that was so much fun. Um, so like from that perspective, yeah, I, I, I like again, as a fan, as a consumer, I enjoy it. I can certainly understand people that don't because like you said, you know, the Pelicans, the Kings, like these teams don't deserve to get in. Like they don't deserve to be playoff teams. And then it's like you're playing for the right to get blown out by the Suns or the or or, or the Warriors or you know whomever. Or in the East, like you're again, you're playing. Although I will say in the East, you just mentioned Atlanta. Atlanta's the 10 seed. Atlanta could be a pretty damn dangerous team. Oh, even Charlotte, Charlotte at nine. Yeah, again, not, they, nothing like a super like Lamella Ball, Lamella Ball, pardon me, very nice player. But again, hard out if you're playing them in the first round. That's not a four yeah. game sweep. They could win, well, you know, one or two games there. I would, but the Hawks, like the Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals last yeah. year. Like they, they have a chance to maybe beat somebody. Um, that's not just like a, a, your, your, your garden variety playing team. They could, they could do make some noise again, Toronto, like these teams are, not, they're pretty good basketball teams because the East, as you mentioned, is so much deeper. So um, I think last year, the West playing games were fun. I think this year, the, the East ones have, a, have the potential to be an awful lot of fun. So I don't, I, I don't hate it. I like fun. So like bring it on. Um, it's kind of like football with like that extra wild card, I, I, which I actually think stinks because I think you saw how, you know, the Eagles and um, I can't remember the, the AFC wild last wild card team, but they both got smoked. It wasn't even a game. It wasn't even yeah. fun to watch. So, um, but I think this, if you, as long as there are some competitive games, I'm good with it. If it's just blowout after blowout, I hate it. But I think this year, the East, I, I think has the potential to be really interesting at the bottom. I think those playing teams are actually going to be pretty competitive. So, um, as long as they, as long as there remains a game or two that is fun to watch, I'm good with it. Hey, Paul, like, uh, like Kawhi, you're a fun guy, right? That's what it is. Absolutely. So there you go. Yeah. No, no, very but, uh, personality. You mentioned, yeah, the Steelers got pumped by, by, by right. the Steelers had game, no so. business being in yeah. there. And I'm with you. I think too much of it. And like, cause I look at it in the, and I love that about the NFL too, where it was, Hey, 12 teams get in, man. You play those, you know, at the time, 16 regular season games and whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? Like you got to earn your way in. So to me, I'm with you. I mean, the Hawks, pretty much the same roster as last year. Obviously, have Trey Young, a talented young piece. Their Sixers fans know him all too well. Uh, again, a team that could make some noise. But if you're looking at the West, like, do I really want to see, uh, you know, maybe New Orleans if 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 Zion comes back and they got you know CJ McCollum? Like, cool. That'll you know that'll be fun. Brandon Ingram. That's a nice squad there. But like the Spurs, like, am I gonna? 
he's salivating to watch. No disrespect to him because I think he's a great like Dejounte Murray. Like you know, no, yeah. I don't. And they really traded care. away one of their best players. Like they traded yeah. away Derek White. So yeah, I mean. so it's like what, what is what are we? What is the benefit in seeing that team? You know, just get the one extra playoff game and the Kings who are perpetually terrible. You know, looking at oh, we're going to try and make a move here to get you know Demontis. Simone yeah, we can like what? what no, is I hate that too. Like that's what like I hate like the Kings and the Pelicans. It just feels like it's almost it's like sad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Hey, we're gonna play because this is like a playoff game, and, and this just counts as us making the playoffs. And we and it's like, no, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and, and I'm sorry, there's no way there should be 20 out of 30 teams in the playoffs. Like, yeah. What do you no, play 82 games for? It's 82 friggin' games. You know, if yeah. you're playing, hey, we have a quick 20 game regular season. We're gonna get these teams in, and whoever kind of comes out the race, you know, in the top 20 teams, and we're gonna narrow it from there. Sure, but you're looking at this like 20 out of 30 teams. Well, it's ridiculous. There's no point in playing 82 games because. Again, there's no value in the in the regular season. And we've seen that in the NBA where, you know, once the, the season starts, come time for mid to late October, whenever whenever the, the opening game happens, it's like you have this very high level of interest in the league for October, November. And then December and January, as we start getting, you know, nobody really is, is, is watching. And I'm talking about casual sports fans because the NFL is ramping up and you get into, you know, the NFL playoffs. And that that is the NFL is king in this country. Let's not mistake that at all. And then you you get into where the basketball starts meaning something again. Now we're like, okay, we've got 20, 25 games left. There's going to be some separation between what happens in the conferences. So to me, uh, again, I'm looking at this like I would rather see really good basketball. And so it's like if you're looking at, you know, looking at the standings now, you're looking at the, the top eight teams. Brooklyn likely will climb up once Kevin Durant comes back and if that Kyrie thing sorts itself out. But you're looking at like, okay, a team like Toronto as an eight seed, like you mentioned, taking on the Miami Heat in the first round. That is a potential to be a six or seven game series. So I, as a fan of the game, not only working is covering it, that's what I want to see. And again, looking at the West, okay, the Clippers dealing with some obviously major injuries without Paul George and Kawhi, but can you imagine they get in as an eight seed and they're taking on the Suns and Paul George comes back? That's a fun series. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's the way I, I think the NBA should do away with the play-in tournament. I doubt that they will because it keeps the interest in those markets, like you mentioned, like the New Orleans, like the Sacramento's, uh, that these teams have been floating on the peripheral of, of even getting in the playoffs for years. But again, it's going to give their fans something to cheer about. So I'm with you. I, I think it's time to do away with the playing tournament after this year. Final one for you, Paul. Let's wrap it up. What did you think of the Super Bowl uh, yesterday between the Bengals and the Rams? Well, I know what you thought of it. Um, yeah. But <laughs> no, but listen, I, I am such a big Matt Stafford fan. I, I really am. I'm not like Dan Orlovsky level uh, fan of Matt Stafford, but I, I've always loved him going back to his Detroit days always thought he was criminally underrated because of where he played and he came up clutch, man. That was a huge drive. Um, made that, yeah. that one throw to Cooper cup over the middle was like, that's, that's like such a special throw. That's like a throw five guys can make in the entire league. Like, um, so I was glad that he got to do that and he got to make come up clutch and got to make his, you know, his, his kind of have his super bowl moment. Um, and then Aaron Donald too, like the guy might yeah. be the greatest defensive player ever. So to see him get a ring, like that's really cool. Andrew Whitworth, another guy. Like I'm a big fan of that. Like I'm a big fan of like guys, their legacies, like getting that. Like a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who's been around forever. He's 40 friggin' years old, and now he'll like probably retire on that a helmet. On yeah, it's like, like <laughs> yeah, good for him, it's, right? It's, uh, it's so awesome um, for guys like that. Um, and it was my thing. It was competitive, right? I, I the ending was a little anticlimactic on that fourth down because Aaron Donald just blew up that play. But um, the fact that it came down to that, right, that Cincinnati had a chance to maybe tie it. I, I, I love that it was a competitive football game throughout. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the halftime show was absolutely I think all like everyone in our age range thought it was absolutely spectacular. Um, 
it was awesome. Although I will say, like, you know, I'm a fan of Kendrick Lamar, but I felt like he kind of felt forced in there. If yeah. that makes sense, because yeah. it was all these old school artists. And then he's kind of like in the more of the new school. And I felt like he was kind of pushed in there and he just didn't get he, I didn't like I feel like he didn't get enough love because of that. And it was just like, yeah. And then the random surprise of it he sent was pretty cool. But yeah. Great. You, see, you, see, you saw like Christian Rivas's espionation. That tweet blew up that he put up last night that 50 Cent was waiting. I was like, damn, but that's a pretty accurate one that, that he had the one fifty. What did he there. say here? Sorry. He was laying there upside down and uh he showed that uh the meme of the guy who's like really mad and has a neck yeah. the veins coming out of his neck and flipped over. So that was pretty funny. But you know, I'm with you. I thought the halftime show, I don't watch halftime shows for the most part. Like I have like I'll have it on, but I'm not Typically into it. Don't either. Yeah. This one I was like, okay, this is this is good. I, I was feeling it too. The game itself, if you all don't know, I'm a 49ers fan, so I was painfully watching this game and thinking to like I'm the type of fan where I will avoid I avoided any NFL talk after the NFC championship game because I just didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to read about it. And then seeing the, the Rams win. And like you mentioned, I mean, I give so much respect to like guys like Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford. It was they deserved to win. They were a good team. Crazy stat though, they won all their last three games by nine points combined. So, I mean, that's all good. And the playoffs, I feel like beyond that Clutch. super wild card weekend where we had a couple of good games, I feel like everything was was, was pretty competitive uh, throughout. So, I mean, again, for me, as a Niners guy and the Rams being a natural rival, and we talked about this before we started, it's like you seeing the Giants or Washington or Dallas, you know, win the Super Bowl. Obviously, the Eagles are the most recent to do that. So, it was kind of upsetting for me to watch that but i'm looking forward to next year where again you mentioned only five guys in the league being able to make that throw to cooper cup as i've seen now over four or five years and I actually like the guy but jimmy garoppolo is not one of them so we're <laughs> going to welcome the trey lance era and, and see what happens there uh let, let's wrap things up here paul you'll be back on wednesday with the coming in for a landing podcast uh we'll have two new episodes coming out for you i'll be covering the game on tuesday against the celtics and then thursday the final one before the all-star break before they take on the bucks so looking forward to that and mr paul Given how crazy your life has been over the last five, six months, as we've said before, you have a newborn baby. Take some time off next week. It's the all-star break. <laughs> Relax, refresh, get some sleep, and you'll be all right. Yeah, I get to, yeah I'm excited because I'm going to cover my first game um, since Miles was born tomorrow night. So I was doing it just in case it was the Harden debut. It's not obviously going to be the Harden debut, but uh, looking forward to just getting back out there, man, feeling the vibes. It's been, it's been a minute, so very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm looking and I'm hoping I'm hoping that Ben does play in that March 10th game because I'm making the trip to Not Philly. Gonna We're going to I hope he does. I hope he does. But I want to be there for that. And I want to definitely got to got to check that out. So well, we'll, we'll get we'll have some beers or something to make it worth your while since you're going to come out here. So beers and cheesesteaks, man. Can't go wrong. Go down Broad Street. Go. and I'm, I'm having a good time there. But uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up there. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, don't forget, always subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. we got new shows coming at you basically six days a week. Every time the Sixers play, we'll have a post game for you there as well. And, of course, Paul, Jackson Frank, Steve Lippman, Harrison Graham. I can go all the way down the line. A bunch of talented writers got you covered as well. We're in the stretch drive of the season, so you can read that at libertyballers.com. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.